Let us rise again from our seats for our scripture reading. Our scripture reading today comes from 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 to 12. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and the stone is stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may have a seat. Well, good morning. Good morning. It's good to see all of you. Uh, my name is John Yoon, by the way. Uh, I'm the college pastor uh, in charge of Sojourn Ministry, uh, for those of you who don't know. I also, um, you know, oversee the worship ministry here as well as, as, long, uh, as, well as the AV team. Um, first of all, I wanted to just say uh, congratulations to all of you who graduated uh, recently. Um, I know graduation is starting to happen. Yeah, yeah. Let's uh, give them a hand. Um, and... Welcome back to all the college students who are here. Uh, I know that there's like a few other graduations that are happening soon, and uh, I don't know if finals are still going on for some schools, but yeah, um, congratulations, you finished, and we're excited to you know, hang out with you, spend time with you, and just do fellowship with you, uh, especially as we look forward to the summer. And we have a lot planned for you guys, and so please be on the lookout. And if you don't know how to get involved, please reach out to me or any of the uh, Sojourn team members. Uh, and so, yeah, just wanted to encourage you with that. Uh, let's bow our heads in prayer as we begin our, as we continue in our worship, as we receive God's word. Let's uh, bow our heads, bow our hearts, and let's turn to our Father. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, your truth. May they plant deep in us as we know that, God, just by merely hearing, Lord, nothing happens. But by your Holy Spirit, would you make us come alive, make these uh, truths bear fruit in our lives. And, Father, as we continue this series of Household of God, may all the members of the church and even those, even the guests, even the unbelieving friends who are here today, may they be blessed as well to see you more and more and your son, Jesus Christ, the cornerstone. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we have been going through this series called The Household of God, 
A few weeks back, uh, Pastor Sam uh, launched this sermon series with the role and the function of elders. Uh, and the week before all family worship, Pastor David Moon uh, spoke on the role and the function and even the spirit of deacons. And those two roles are the ordained leadership within the body of Christ. And we often label this as clergy. And today, we finally come to the topic of laity, L-A-I-T-Y, laity, the lay members of the church. And so the question for today then is this, what is the role and the identity of the lay members of the church? And I want to tackle this uh, through 1 Peter chapter 2, as, we, as Pastor John has read, under three headings. Number one, build as living stones. Number two, belong as God's possession. And number three, branch out as sojourners. So number one, build. Number two, belong. Number three, branch out. So for those of you who are taking notes, uh, you could just write that down. Um, and as we go through all of these together, uh, I want to encourage you to Really do your best to try to apply this to your own involvement as lay members, especially within the EC, the English congregation of KCPC here. So having said that, let's go through this together. Uh, number one, build. Build as living stones. Uh, as we see in verse 5, if you look down in your Bible, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house. So first, we see the identity of all the believers are living stones, right? And the role for all the living stones is that we build the household of God. So first, why the adjective living in the living stone? Well, because you and I have been given a new life in Jesus Christ. We are born again. This is a requirement to our membership to the spiritual household of God. Amen. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, Christ must build, first build inside of you a new heart and a new spirit. So all the members of the church are the stones, the living stones, the essential ingredients that God is using to build the, his spiritual house if you see Hebrews chapter 3, verses 6, it says, But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. And what does it say? And we are his house. We are his house. Brothers and sisters in Christ, you are the church. We are the house of God. So the question is, how do we become the living stones? Well, if you look at uh, verse 4 in this passage, it says, As you come to him, a living stone, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you and I must first go to Jesus Christ, who is also a living stone. But he's no ordinary living stone. He is the cornerstone. Traditionally, cornerstone, uh, if you put a picture up, uh, cornerstone is the first and usually the largest stone laid for a structure. It is the most foundational piece in a building. And we know that this is true for Jesus, right? Jesus is the first, the most foundational piece of the church. Jesus is the basis in building up the house of God. 
But what happens if we remove, take away the cornerstone? The building loses its sturdiness, its stability. The building will collapse. It will fall apart. And that's why Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7 that everyone who obeys Jesus will be like the building, building his house on a rock. And even when the storms come, the house will not fall because its foundation is on the strong, sturdy rock. But everyone who does not hear Christ's words and disobeys him is like building his house on sinking sand. So when the storms come, the house would sink. It would fall apart. When the church does not preach the gospel of Jesus, when the church merely focuses on all these programs and, you know, doing more events, when the church becomes all about just social gathering or networking without Christ being the center, you might be noticing that you are building your own house, your own kingdom, and not God's kingdom, not his house. You might very well be, as this passage says, a builder that rejected the cornerstone. And when the church is filled with builders who reject Christ, eventually the church suffers and over time crumbles. But when we put our faith in this cornerstone, we become united with him. We become one with Christ. So what is true for Christ becomes true for us. Our worldview, our values, our goals begin to align with Christ. We get to share in Christ's inheritance. And hence, if Jesus is a living stone, by faith in him, we also become living stones. So what is the application here? Say this with me. I am not a spectator but a participant of the church. Yes, God is the ultimate builder. But we, we all are also subordinate builders of God's house. I mean, just even consider, even just this worship service, the participants of the church are not just the people up on stage here. Every single believer here is a participant. This is why we don't refer to you as the audience, right? We actually refer to you, including me, us, as the congregation. We only have one audience, and that is the Lord. And even when we sing and make music to the Lord, you are not the audience as if we're in a concert. You are all a part of a choir, we are all part of the team of worshipers. And this is why it's a huge downside to online worship. And for those of you who are tuning in online, thank you for joining us. But I just wanted to encourage you um, and just give you a warning that it's very difficult to participate. And it's so easy to just merely spectate. You know, perhaps you're just watching it on your bed and some, you, know, you might be falling asleep and whatnot. Unless you're worshiping with someone at home together, it's very difficult to participate. And in the household of God, there is no room for consumerism, where you only take and receive. 
There's a quote by uh, Alan Hirsch, which says, uh, you cannot build a church on consumers. They'll desert you at a moment's notice because they have no commitments beyond meeting their own needs. Jesus can take 12 disciples and build a movement that changes the world. He could never have done that with consumers. And so the goal of us being living stones is to, as it says in verse 5 in the passage, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. This act is the opposite of consumerism, right? To offer, to give ourselves in a sacrificial way. And you know what? Our God is so committed to using each and every one of us to continue to build his church. Yes, Jesus, during his earthly life, already established the church. And he only had, but he only laid the foundation, the cornerstone. But during the Pentecost, as Christ ascended into the heavens, he sent the Holy Spirit to possess every single disciple of Jesus to do the works of ministry. The prophets, the apostles were living stones that continued to lay the foundations upon the chief foundation, a.k.a. the cornerstone. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 through 20, it says, The members of his household built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. And generations after generations, more living stones. Christ used more living stones to lay even more foundation to build a house of God. Even to this day, the house of God is not finished. The universal church, the invisible church, as we have read the, uh, the catechism, it's still under construction. God is seeking and gathering more living stones to lay the foundations on top of our predecessors and for our successors, next generation, to lay on top of our foundations. And you and I get to be a part of this building process. Isn't that exciting? Also, this church is not merely built by the ordained leaders here. It is built by the lay but active members of the household of God. So yes, your participation must be active and not passive. Now, this doesn't mean that you have to join some kind of a team or ministry within KCPC, although that would be really great because there's a lot of needs. Um, but it means just praying for somebody in your community group, encouraging them, buying some meals for poor college students who are back, even setting up, stacking up chairs after, before or after service. And please join a community group. Join us soon. Or a small group gathering of some sort. Get involved in a spiritual community. Please find ways to serve the church. Now, if every living stone is crucial to build the spiritual house, then every single believer is shaped and gifted in a way to serve the body of Christ. Romans chapter 12, verses 4 through 8 Apostle Paul illustrates in this way, for as in one body, we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members, of, members one of another. 
having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Church, consider how you believe God has gifted you and shaped you to serve the body of Christ. Not all parts of the body is the same. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you absolutely have spiritual gifts to build one another. But if you're unsure how you are gifted, let's figure it out. Let's figure it out together as a church. Seek counsel from your community group, from the people whom you trust and know you really well. I, I even have spiritual gifts inventory if that, you know, if that will help you. So come reach out to me after service if you want that, right? But perhaps for some of you, you may be thinking that you have nothing or don't have much to offer to the spiritual house of God. Perhaps you may have low self-esteem or just high anxiety about serving. You might wonder, what if I'm too sinful? What if I'm not good enough? What if I'm bringing the structural integrity of the church down by me being a not stable Christian? And I want to remind you, church, Jesus is the cornerstone that our, our stones, us, are being built upon. And the Holy Spirit is committed to sanctifying each of us. So do not fear about getting involved and making mistakes along the way. Because even if we fall, as long as Christ, the cornerstone, stands, we will never be crushed nor be moved. And us, the spiritual leaders here, the pastor, the elders, the deacons, we, we also exist to walk with you, to shepherd you, to lead you and to guide you and to stay accountable to you along the way. So let's, let's together work on growing and building the church together. Amen. Even us pastors as spiritual leaders, we have a lot to work on. I have, a, I have so much to work on. And yet this doesn't stop me, stop any of us continuing to serve the body of Christ. Even Apostle Peter, who's the very person who wrote this letter, made all kinds of mistakes, right? He even denied Jesus three times at one point. And guess what Jesus tells him? Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And church, if you see anyone, anyone who's discouraged, please encourage them personally with your own words so that all things be done for building up within the household of God. But let's imagine what would happen if you as an essential piece, essential living stone, do not participate. The result is other living stones struggle and they suffer. KCPCEC, the English congregation, is still very shorthanded. Um, I'm actually just going to list a couple of things um, that we really need help on. Uh, 
This is for Eugene. Uh, All Stars, which is our middle school ministry, is in need of small group leaders who can guide and spend time with the students. So if you're interested, please reach out to Eugene Lee. The AV team, those who are serving there, we're in need of desperate help. More people who are willing to serve our congregation on Sundays to worship through audiovisual aid. And I'm sure there's many other ministries that I haven't mentioned. I'm sorry, you can continue to announce it yourselves. But the reality is that most of the living stones of KCPC are already serving in two or more ministries. And so if you're hearing this message and you are not particularly serving in any capacity within the church, I want to highly encourage you and maybe even expect you to consider even just one of these ministries or other ways to offer your service so that we create a culture of serving one another using the gifts that God has gifted us. Church, you are created, redeemed for far greater purpose than to merely attend and spectate at church. Amen? Secondly, we go into belong. Belong. Verse 10 says, once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. So the identity of all the believers are God's possessions. And the role for all of God's possession is to belong to the household of God. And I see three ways here, the ways that we belong as God's possession. Number one, chosen race. Number two, royal priesthood. And number three, holy nation. So first, say this with me. We are a chosen race. Amen. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 6 through 8. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession. Out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth, it was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you, for you are the fewest of all peoples. But it is because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath that he swore to your fathers that the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand, redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Now, do not misunderstand. Israel was God's chosen people and not choice people. They were chosen, but they were not choice people. God did not choose the best from the crowd. In fact, our God chooses what is foolish, weak, despised in the world, and not the wise, mighty, noble in the world, so that no one may boast before the throne of God in himself, but other than Christ. God does not choose us because of who we are or what we've done. If so, we're, we're, we're in trouble. God chooses us despite who we are and what we've done. He chose us simply because of who Christ is and what he has done. Members of KCPC, do you think too highly of yourself or even too lowly of yourself? That's what the reality is. They're both pride. It's all about me, me, me. Do you feel like you're worthy or do you feel like you're unworthy? Well, here's the reality. God chose you despite how you even feel or think about yourself. 
this reality check will humble you and slash or encourage you. Members of KCPC, are you trying to choose your community based upon what you like or dislike about them? Are you demonstrating your love only to those who are easier to love? Because the reality is Jesus did not choose whoever he liked. Jesus chose not based upon our merit or what was inside of us, but simply out of his grace, mercy, and love. But we are not only chosen, but we are a chosen race. Brothers and sisters, your, your primary ethnicity or race is no longer Korean, Chinese, Asian, black, white. Your primary ethnicity is a spiritual one. And with Christ as our preeminent ancestor, and I praise God that we are seeing more and more non-Koreans within this congregation Although the name of this, this local church is Korean Central Presbyterian Church, the name in which we share our fellowship is none other than Jesus Christ. Because Christ's vision of the church is every tribe, every tongue, every nation. This is why we can also call our Korean-speaking brothers and sisters, you know, in, in the other service right now, they're also our siblings in Christ. We are united not by our interests, our ethnicity, our personalities, or our, uh, nor our demographics. We are united by the same faith in Jesus Christ. We are the family that share the same blood of Christ that washed away our sins and brokenness. We are all one in Christ. So practically, what does this look like? What does this mean for us? Say this with me. We are not guests but host of the church. Do you believe that? Do you know that? Every single member of the church is responsible to welcome one another, especially to the actual guests who come. Look around you. Is someone unfamiliar to you? Introduce yourself. Okay, not right now, but, you know, eventually. <laughs> Introduce yourself. Get to know them, even just a little bit at least. I know some college students are bad. Get to know them a little bit. Ask, how long have you been coming to KCPC? Welcome one another. Or are you welcoming one another in the name of Christ? Or are you welcoming one another in the name of our ethnicity or whatever common interests that you have? And I'm not saying we can't enjoy the same heritage, the culture that we have, nor the same interests that we have but are you limiting your capacity to love and extend welcome simply by their hobbies, their appearance, their social status, personalities, age, and demographics? Do you find yourself excluding rather than including those whom you may not click well with? And I'm not saying you have to be best friends with everybody, but will you invite those, especially within the household of God, who is, might be very different from you, even for lunch right after service. Take ownership of your own church because you already belong to the household of God. Romans chapter 15, verses 5 through 7 says, May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another 
in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Christ did not look at us and thought, eh, I don't think I'll click well with this guy. You know, he's a little annoying, selfish, inconsiderate, so I'll pass. No, Christ welcomed us into his kingdom, not based upon who we are or what we've done. And if Christ welcomed us despite our shortcomings, how could we not welcome one another despite our differences and even the shortcomings that we see in one another? And just quick word, I just wanted to thank the welcoming team of our church. Thank you so much for welcoming and connecting the guests of our church. I really appreciate that you are becoming, you know, all things for all people who walk through those doors. And my prayer is that the whole English congregation, this congregation, would not just rely on them, but that we would also adopt and create a culture of welcoming one another if we see any unfamiliar faces. Amen? All right, God's possession was first a chosen race. And secondly, as God's possession, we are a royal priesthood. Can you say that with me? We are a royal priesthood. And this is where we derive the concept called priesthood of all believers. The role of priesthood in Catholicism, there's a there's strict division between clergy and laity, right? The professionals and the non-professionals. But in Protestant Christianity, the role of priesthood does not belong to only the clergyman like me, but also the layman, to all of you who profess the faith in Christ. Priesthood of all believers mean two things. Number one, accessibility, and number two, ministry. Every single believer has direct access to God. Do you believe that? Because our great high priest, Jesus Christ, gave us this privilege. No more earthly mediators necessary. Isn't that great? You don't need the pastor or any clergyman or any of the kind of, you know, we don't need to do any rituals to be able to access God. We simply go to him by faith in Jesus Christ. This is why we pray in Jesus' name. But also... Not only do we have direct access to God, every believer has direct ministry to one another. You don't need a pastor uh, or some expert prayer warriors to pray for someone you know who is in need because our great high priest Jesus gave us this duty. He gave us the privilege, direct access, and the duty, direct ministry. Do you see that? And I would even argue that you, the lay member of the church, probably have the greater ability to pray for somebody than, you know, if you were to bring somebody to me to pray for them. How? Well, probably because you know this person far better, far more than any of us do. You have an ongoing relationship with this individual. And because you have a direct access to God, you also have the ability to intercede on behalf of your sibling in Christ. The pastors, the elders, the deacons here exist to train you, to equip you, to give you the resources necessary for you to serve. 
Ephesians 4, chapter 18 to 19 says that God gave the apostles, the prophets, teachers to the church to what? Equip the saints, all of you, all of us of God for the work of ministry. Not just for us to spectate, but for us to participate. So yes, please utilize us pastors and other spiritual leaders here at KCPC to help you and to guide you. But also know that we will really try to encourage you to be the instrument of God to serve his people. So practice speaks with me. We are not just recipients, but instruments of the gospel. We're not just recipients. We're the instruments of the gospel. To be a member of the church does not just mean we receive God's grace, but we also extend God's grace to those around us. God gave us what we need for us to use it, not just for ourselves, but for the good of those around us and for his glory. So consider this with me. God first, right? So that we can channel God's love to one another by loving them ourselves. Do you see that? Another example, God forgave us richly so that we can channel his forgiveness to others by forgiving them ourselves. God blesses us so that we can become blessings to one another. Jesus himself says, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And you cannot be an instrument of the gospel in isolation, in solitude. You cannot practice priesthood of all believers simply by just attending worship service. So church, I really encourage you to participate, get connected, be involved in a community. And third, as God's possession, we belong as a holy nation. Can you say that with me? We are. So parents might say that they love them, but in reality, they're destroying them. They place their ultimate hopes and dreams into their children. So when their children fail to meet their expectations, everyone gets hurt. A pure and genuine love is one that lowers oneself to give, and not in order to receive, nor demand, nor set idolatrous expectations. Church, could we love one another in this way as a holy nation? the kind of love that even the watching world will be stunned by. But the reality is that we cannot be perfectly holy, at least on this side of eternity, no matter how hard we try. God's holiness is far greater than we could imagine, while our unholiness, namely sinfulness, is far greater than we could have imagined. So we must trust, turn to Jesus Christ, who is not just a holy model for us to follow, but our holy Messiah for us to fall upon. And number three and final point, branch out, branch out. Verses 11 through 12, beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles 
honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. The identity of all believers are also sojourners. And the word sojourn simply means to stay temporarily. Hence, the term sojourner describes a temporary resident. And this is why college ministry is called sojourn, because they're not in college, you know, college for the rest of their lives. They're only there temporarily. And the role of all the sojourners is that we branch out from the household of God. Pastor John, why does God seem to desire us to get involved with the unbelieving world? I mean, I thought God wanted us to be holy, set apart, separated from the rest of the world. What's going on here? My answer is yes, God desires us to be holy, being separated from the world, but not segregated from the world. Not separated, or rather separated, but not segregated. We are the salt and light of the world. We must not hide away nor be isolated from the unbelieving society. God desires his holy people, a holy nation, to interact with the world. We actually need to engage the world. Holiness does not mean that we have to stop consuming secular stuff. We're not supposed to only have Christian friends, only listen to Christian music, and God forbid, only Christian movies. But yes, our spiritual home is the church and our eternal home is the new heavens and the new earth. And until that day when Christ returns, we are sojourners. We are not permanent residents here. We are citizens of Christ's kingdom and temporary citizens of this earthly kingdom. We are simply sojourners and exiles. John chapter 17, verses 16 through 18 Jesus also said about his followers, they are not of this world, just as I am not of this world. So I have sent them into the world, sent into the world. So even when we gather here regularly on Sunday mornings and we worship God and have fellowship, we are doing all of this, not just to create our own little Christian ghetto, but in order to be sent we are gathered to be scattered. Our responsibility is not only to preach the gospel to our unbelieving neighbors, but also to keep our conduct honorable and pursue good deeds before the watching world. Even if they accuse us for being bigots, hypocritical, unloving, outdated, weird. So what does this look like practically? Say this with me. We are not just citizens, but ambassadors of Christ's kingdom. You are the representative of Jesus Christ. Do you believe that? So yes, your words, your conduct outside of the church matter, but Peter does not say, keep your conduct perfect. That's not what he says. Instead, he says, be honorable. So, for example, when you fall or when you fail in whatever ways before an unbeliever, own up to your failures, ask for forgiveness, and to offer to make it right. Right? That's the spirit of Christianity, to repent, right? To make things right. 
Your work outside of the church is important to God. Your excellence in your work matter. Even if you don't like your work, the fact that you are giving your best is what makes it honorable. We believe that God has not just given the great commission to spread the glory of Christ to all the earth, but we also believe that God has given the cultural mandate in Genesis to subdue, to work, to care for his creation, to spread the glory of God to all the earth, to work. And students, to study is a spiritual act of obedience unto God. Amen? But not just the work itself, but the people you interact with and work with are important as well. Missions work is not just global, but local. You can have vision, passions to go to another nation, to the missions work, but are you doing it right now locally here with your neighbors, coworkers, classmates, roommates, with your family, or for Christian? Will you challenge yourself to proclaim the excellencies of Christ who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light, verse 9, to them in your daily, ordinary life? Pray for them that God will change their hearts to eventually learn to glorify him. And now I, I just want to say to all, those, all of you who are working full-time or just working a lot in your secular work, and serving in whatever capacity at church. God bless you. Thank you so much. And we as a pastoral staff seriously appreciate your hard work, both inside the church and outside the church. Both are very important. And for me too, I've also worked um, in secular work right after my seminary degree, um, you know, while doing college ministry. And it was so tough. And my friends who work and still serve in the church just shot up greatly. And we cannot thank you enough with our words and meals. And so the best encouragement that I can give you is your ultimate reward is in heaven. You are storing treasures in heaven. And I can't wait to see you hear from our Lord Jesus. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Church, our primary, primary citizenship is in the hev heavenly and eternal kingdom of Christ. We literally have nothing to lose. So let us not fear. As praise team comes up, I just want to conclude with this thought. We will get home one day, but until then, will you build the household of God as living stones? Until then, will you belong to the household of God as God's people, as a chosen nation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation? Until then, will you branch out from the household of God as sojourners, as exiles, and strangers to this world, waiting for our Christ's kingdom to come? Let's bow our heads and pray. Before we sing our final song to conclude our worship service, I want to encourage you to, um, to spend some time in prayer in reflection of what you have heard today. Church, are you living, rather members of the body of Christ, are you living a life as a living stone, building, actively participating 
within the church and within the household of God? If so, what are some of the ways that you have been serving? And if not, what are the ways that you feel like you should serve? What are the gifts? What are the ways that God has gifted you? If you're not sure, spend some time in prayer asking the Lord, Lord, how could I serve and be a part and participate within the church? Brothers and sisters in Christ, for those of you who may feel like you're not part of this church for whatever reasons, where you feel like you don't have anywhere you belong, would you spend this time reminding yourself of this truth? I am a part of a chosen nation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own possession. And may you minister to your own heart with these truths as you pray to God, God, convince my heart that I indeed belong to the household of God, that I belong to you, set apart for you, and that I have direct access to you, that I am chosen before the foundation of the world to be known by you and as your workmanship. And also for those of us who might be struggling with branching out from the household of God, having a meaningful work, uh, working in a meaningful way and engaging the unbelievers, the unbelieving world. Let's pray and ask the Lord to give us courage, the strength to go out there, to be sent out, to be scattered, so that we may declare the excellencies, the praises of our God, who indeed delivered us from darkness into his marvelous light. We spend some time in prayer over those topics, and we'll conclude our time with worship.